Thank you for calling Gay Wire. Your call is very important to us. Press 1 for fourth wave feminism. Press 2 for a strangely in-depth discussion about where the worms have gone. Press 3 for... You have chosen option 3. Please stay on the line. Hello, and thank you for choosing option three. You've reached Gay Wire, and I'm your host, Terrence Adams. This week, we are focusing on a fantastic community member who helps some of the most vulnerable among us, those who are about to come out. You're listening to Gay Wire on CJSR 88.5 FM in so-called Edmonton. Now, coming out is a deeply personal process, and also a non-linear one. I started coming out when I was around 14, and I think I came out to someone new last week. It's not always a big event, or even a comprehensible aha moment. And it's different every time, and of course, different for every queer person out there. But it's also important for every queer person out there. It's a shared, unique experience that we have, a celebration of authenticity and a grieving of what we lose in the process. It's hard to do alone. It's particularly hard for those who know that the reception will be negative. And Dakshima Kapadanthri saw a gap that needed to be filled. Her goal is to provide support for those who are in the process of coming out, for anyone, really, but particularly those who unfortunately have unsupportive people and environments in their lives. Her goal is to help people shine their light. This is Gaywire reporter Terrence Adams, which is me, also your host. I contain multitudes this episode, speaking with Dakshima Habudan 3 about her work in helping support people in their coming out processes. We do touch on some heavy topics, so here is a content warning for mentions of self-harm and suicide. Please take care of your bodies and brains. And here is the interview. Uh, So my name is Dakshima Habudantri, my pronouns are she, her. So I'm working on a couple of things, but my uh, right now my uh, passion project, I might say, is my website. Uh, it's called dilipani.com, www.dilipani.com. Uh, so that is my website where I support uh, people who are coming out uh, and also bridging that gap between them and their families. Uh, because I've been going through the whole process and I know it's really tough. Uh, when somebody's trying to come out to their family and community because you sort of free uh, traumatize yourself and try to figure out how to come out in a like the proper way uh, so it's different for everybody but I'm just uh, here to uh, support Could you give an example of what what sort of support you provide? Definitely. So uh, I was supporting one of the one of the girls. Uh, she's a les- identified as a lesbian, so she uh, was coming from a very religious family. So uh, she was afraid uh, that uh, her parents would disown her. 
So uh, she connected with me through my website and we had a meeting, we chat because coming out is a process. Um, you have to be comfortable uh, in your own skin first uh, to come out. And it, it might take a month, it might take a year, it might take two weeks. It, it's, it's entirely depending on your comfort level. So um, I, let her, I let her speak. I was listening uh, to her story and, you know, uh, picking on that, I sort of suggested certain things to her, you know, uh, what matters at the end of the day is who you are. Uh, to your parents, you are their daughter, no matter what. And what nothing changed from yesterday to today. You are just expressing uh, truly who you are to them. So she sort of picked that on uh, from that as she, she uh, chat with her parents and we had a chat. Uh, it's like I'm sort of like a mediator role in that. And uh, they they took it very well, uh, better than I really thought. I, I think that initial uh, conversation is what we all need to, to feel safe and to be heard. Absolutely. So why did you start this project? I came to Canada five years ago. Uh, and uh, the reason I had to come to Canada, I came as a permanent resident. I didn't disclose my sexuality. But I, when I came to Canada, uh, I saw you know, uh, people kissing on the road, girls kissing each other. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is nice. This is, I felt, uh, I felt that, okay, this is, this is my place. People are not judging. Um, I mean, there are people in every society, but majority of people are very supportive. And, you know, um, so I, I came out to my mother a couple of years after I came to Canada and it didn't, uh, went very well. Uh, she cried for months. Um, I'm the eldest of the family. We are from middle class and we have a, like a good place in the society where we have been accepted by, by the community. So it took some, uh, time for her to realize that nothing has changed. It's me. This is the same person. And when I came out with my father a year later, it was tougher and he sort of didn't want to hear about it after that. And the relationship between me and my father was not the same, I would say. I mean, he still loves me, but we don't really talk about the thing that the elephant in the room, I would think. So these things and the struggles I've gone and what I've seen and uh, how a person can be re-traumatized if they don't have enough support uh, has led me to this initiative and uh, I wanted to be that safe space and I was looking at uh, names and thinking about the name and Dilipani is my second name my middle name uh, Dilipani in my language means guiding light so I didn't have any guiding light or even a candle when I came to Canada and I didn't really feel safe uh, initially because I don't know the people I don't know how they are how they would react to this so that's why I started this initiative to be that safe space, that uh, comfort uh, zone to somebody else who's coming out, because uh, that is, that is, I thought, uh, something relevant. So you told me a little bit about your own coming out story. Could you tell me how the sort of traditional family structure affects that? Mm -hmm. So uh, I realized when I was a child, uh, I was different from the rest. Uh, when my friends were playing with uh, other girls or dolls, I was playing cricket with the boys. So I, 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 I knew there was something different in me. I thought I'm weird uh, because in high school and all that, uh, when other girls have boyfriends, I didn't have any. I was like attracted to girls. I, I realized that, but I thought there's something is not right. 
the traditional family system and the law uh, in Sri Lanka does not allow people to be gay. In the criminal law, which was given to us by uh, the British rulers, we've been colonized a couple of times. The penal code that was given to us uh, make, uh, I would say, homosexual activities, that's the word they use, an offense, a criminal offense. So you basically uh, go to jail for being who you are. So that was the society that I, I grew up and there was no place that I could get any information or talk about this and felt safe. And you be expected to, uh, so you go to school, you get your degrees and you marry somebody, have kids. That's the norm in the society. So that was society that I, I've, I grew up, as I said. So there was no way that I could come out in Sri Lanka because that will be like a social suicide, I would think. How did you find the, the courage to help others? With, yeah. with this re-traumatizing. <laughs> Definitely. So um, when I came here, uh, as I said, when I'm seeing this uh, acceptance around around me, I, I realized there's a sense of something missing all the time. I needed to be who I am. Then I uh, had this good friend from the United Kingdom and uh, we were talking about Orange is a New Black and all these this, uh, Netflix series. And um, then she became a very, very good friend of mine. And um, I was going through really a traumatizing time. Uh, and she was saying, uh, I'm not the same person I used to be. I was not smiling. I was not laughing. I was under a lot of pressure. And she's like, you need to go to a doctor. You don't seem okay. So I went to my family doctor and uh, had a chat and sort of answered some questions. And he sort of figured out I'm having a mild depression. So it didn't help at all. Uh, so my friend uh, who was with me for years uh, sort of become very closer to me throughout these struggles. And then uh, I realized that I'm in love with her. Uh, so that actually st- was the starting point. I'm like, I don't want to, just like I don't want to be a footnote in somebody else's story. I don't want her to be a secret uh, throughout my life. So that's where I sort of, scramble all the courage I have and came out to my mother. And after coming out to my parents, I would say uh, all those uh, fears and doubts about myself sort of vanished. And I was starting to feel confident about myself. And I was like, okay, this is the path I want to be. Uh, I went through mental health struggles. I went through trauma and all those tumultuous things. Now it's time for me to be who I am and that's like the starting of this, this me who is confident and who want to support people. And that led to Dilipani, my website and the support. That's, that's incredible. So you, you mentioned that you don't want to be a footnote in other people's stories. Could you elaborate on that? Well, definitely. So uh, when I was in Sri Lanka, I had a relationship with another person uh, and uh, she's a married woman. Uh, but she identified as, as a bisexual, I would think. And um there was such secrecy and hiding and I don't know, lies and all these things. And I was always secondary and we couldn't like walk in, in open holding hands or anything. So there was always that, that sense of something missing. I don't belong here and all that feelings. And I was always a footnote in her story. So I didn't want that to happen to anybody, uh, including my partner. Uh, so that's, that's, that's where that's coming from. Um, obviously, you you find uh, your your work re- rewarding, um, but how how exactly do you, do you find it rewarding? It's rewarding because so when I came here, I didn't have enough support, as I mentioned before. 
Uh, and every time I support somebody, I could see the me uh, five years ago get supported. You know, I could see that person is happy because it's just it's just funny. I don't know how to explain, but every time I support somebody, that my old me uh, is sort of like elated and sort of jumps up and down in happiness or something like that. So that's how I feel every time I help somebody. What sort of challenges have you faced in this work? I mean, I still have to work with a lot of immigrants. Uh, you know, they come from different uh, cultures, different backgrounds, different beliefs, religious beliefs and such. And uh, even in Canadians, uh, it's, it's a bit tough uh, sometimes with their... Um, you know, belief systems, uh, especially tough to deal with. Uh, but sometimes I try my best and, and do what I can. I can't solve all the problems in the world, but I'm just trying to make a difference. Yeah, that's what I, I would say is tough, uh, how people react to this sometimes and how people look at me and think I'm sort of weird. <laughs> uh, but I don't really care anymore. I'm, I'm here to support people. So that's my mission. So what... Would you say to someone who who's potentially listening right now and thinking about coming out and struggling with that idea? Yeah, um, coming out is not an easy process. It took me years to figure out who I am. So if you don't feel that this is not the right time, your gut is saying that, and that's that's absolutely spot on. Don't like do things that you don't feel right. Uh, there's always time, and um, if you want more support, if you want to talk somebody without feeling judged, uh, I'm here for you. Uh, I'm just this is an open invitation to anybody who's listening. Just uh, just figure out what you want to do next. If you can't figure it out, just just connect with me uh, through my website, delipani.com, and you can sort of send me an email or we can have a conversation how we can support uh, each other. And it's it takes a village. So don't feel you're alone. That's the most important thing. And there's nothing wrong with you. You are who you are and you are unique and you're beautiful as you are. People might say otherwise, people might say, you know, why you are doing this? Uh, why are you making this? This is a choice, this is a trend, things like that. Those are things I've heard people say. I always say, uh, you know, I'm a woman, I'm a woman of color. Would I really go to that level and make myself a lesbian as well on top of everything to make myself more like troubled? Uh, so there's nothing wrong with you. So you're totally all good. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned earlier some uh, challenges with uh, general like Canadian culture. Mm -hmm. um, would you mind telling me a bit about those and the changes that you hope could be made? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we live in a society where people are different. People have different belief systems and Sometimes they think, okay, uh, why these people want to come out and just make it a big deal, you know? Uh, but at the end of the day, we all want to be, you know, loved and live, live as human beings. Uh, I'm sure everybody who's coming out who identified as uh, belong to the queer community don't want to make it a big deal. It's just their lifestyle. It's just, just who they are. Just like the society that we live in, where majority is heterosexual or straight people, we just won't live like them. So I don't think that we need to be like divided and have like opinions about how the other should live. We just support each other and live as a community. So I think that's that's the society that I want to see uh, where nobody is treated, I mean, depending on their sexual orientation, but as people, as human beings. So I think that would be the answer for all the struggles we are having right now. 
So how can other people support uh, the work that you're doing? One way of supporting is actually talking to me, talking with me, uh, because if you are struggling and if you have nobody to listen to you, you know that I'm there for you. So if you know anybody who needs support, please connect with me because I was doing a suicide prevention course a couple of days ago and one in 20 Canadians are thinking about suicide, like this moment that we are talking and majority of them belong to the queer communities. You know, like uh, I don't, I can't remember statistics, but that sort of brought back memories to me. I remember it was like 15 years ago when I was in, when I started my university, I tried to my own life. And I, that was something I actually, it, I, I was surprised that it came out because it was something I suppressed and, you know, showered into a, like a dark corner of my mind. But when you were having those debriefs and talks, it sort of popped up. And I remembered what happened, like uh, these people keep leaving me and I felt like there's no hope. And I, I decided in my own life, it didn't work out. I, I remember a lot of self-harm and things like that. So, I mean, now I'm, stand, I'm talking in front of you, like I have figured it all out, but there was a time that I was just lost. So it could happen to anybody, you know? So that's why I'm here to support you because this is, uh, it's, it's, it's a tough situation. Uh, and you feel there's no hope at the end of the tunnel, but there is hope. And I'm a living proof for that, of, of that, so. How, how did you find the, the hope to make it through? I mean, when I was in Sri Lanka, I honestly didn't have any hope. I thought my destiny is to marry a man, have kids and live my life and make my parents happy. But as I moved along in, the, in, my, in my life and came to Canada and you know, figure this, this bit out, uh, I think there is hope where we are all supported and loved and accepted, I think, and feel safe. Uh, that's the most important to me, to create change and create safe societies, also safe communities where people are not judged for who they are. So that's the thought that sort of gives me uh, courage to, you know, wake up every day and do my work. And I know that queerness and uh, intersectionality are incredibly important topics uh, and something that is woefully underrepresented. Um, could you tell me a bit about your experience and work in this area? Definitely. definitely. Uh, when I came to Canada first, there were a couple of queer organizations, uh, but I didn't feel heard. Uh, they didn't look like me. They, they didn't speak like me. So I didn't feel I could really connect. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons that's like hidden in my mind, like why I started this, because if somebody, let's say an immigrant uh, community comes out, I look like them, I speak like them, I speak with an accent. So they're like, okay, she's my person. She, she's, you know, we are like in this together, sort of that, that comfort I think I can give to them because we have we have so many intersections, you know, our, our, we are people of color, we have, all these things happening to us. We have women, men on different spheres. So I think that intersection is something that I can provide uh, because I, I see through those lenses. I've gone through those struggles uh, with a lot of intersections happen throughout. So I think that's where I, I have my uniqueness, I would think. Uh, I don't know whether it's sort of like a bragging, but I'm coming in a very humble place. I'm saying that I, I can give that support somebody needs because um, 
as I said, everybody's struggle is different, but there are some similar themes uh, to our struggle. Yeah, similar themes to our struggle. Absolutely. So um, how do you think, quote unquote, mainstream queer organizations uh, can adapt to become more accessible? Yeah, I think uh, most mainstream organizations try to have this tokenism going on, like, in their committee, there's this one black person, there's one brown person, just to say, oh, we represent everybody. But that's, let's go beyond that. Let's go, let's break those barriers to access services. You know, it could be anything. Maybe it's, it, it could be technology. Maybe they don't have enough technology to come and, let's say, online sessions and things like that. Maybe they are from different countries. They don't have that accessibility or things like that. And really opening arms and really trying to, sort of figure out these, you know, all these anti-racism and all these lenses that people are coming from. I think it's a learning curve for everybody because nobody's perfect. Everybody has gone through these learning opportunities that have, that have come their way. I think we can sort of support each other, mainstream and non-mainstream, uh, if that's a word, uh, support each other and sort of give safe, safe safety to community and provide that service that they all need. So... What other projects are you working on? So currently I work as a program facilitator uh, at one of the immigrant serving agencies in Calgary. Uh, so in my work life, I work, uh, I have I've been a trainer for anti-bullying initiative for youth. A lot of youth are struggling with their mental health and bullying in school. So this anti-bullying training is uh, to train the trainers uh, who are trainers are youth serving organizations in Calgary right now. And then uh, we are going to move to Alberta. So Edmonton and Red Deer and all these areas. And finally, the intention is to be a, a national project and provide that support to all the youth in Canada. So right now I'm working on that. It's very, I think, rewarding project uh, that I, I get to uh, work with all these youth serving agencies and youth every day. So I just love it. Yeah. How did you get involved with that? Uh, it's part of my job, uh, so but I don't take it as a job because it's it's my other passion as well. Because I've been bullied as a kid, I didn't even know I didn't know I was bullied as a kid. People were like, "Oh, you are weird, you," and things like that. And that's like a nicer way of saying that. But they look down upon me, look, look down on me because I'm I'm a I'm a lesbian, which I didn't even even figure out at that that point of my life. So. Yeah, bullying uh, and anti-bullying is something I'm, I'm really passionate about as well. So I'm, I'm glad that I, I get to uh, present it and uh, train people on that. So your website launched five months ago. You had a lot of uh, traffic, per se? Uh, I would say uh, I had good quality, not not tons of traffic, I would, th- I would say. Uh, but I would say enough traffic to support uh, and I was working alongside with different agencies uh, presenting about my organization and uh, my goal in life. So I did a lot with the distress center in Calgary. I did with Immigrant Services Calgary, then University of Calgary, Mount Royal University, you know, things like that. So all these uh, presentations and uh, sort of providing a way to my website is is something that I've worked uh, really well. 
I would love to connect with more people. So if someone is listening and wanted, wanted to get in contact with me, uh, by all means. How can we help bring more people to your services who need it? So uh, if, if you go to www.dilipani.com, uh, which is my website that has uh, all the links that you need to know. Uh, you can email me. That's the easiest way to connect with me. And there's an uh, Instagram page uh, that's also stated. It's uh, Dilipani, your guiding light. Uh, that's long word, but uh, I can sort of provide you those uh, details. That's my Instagram page. and It has a link uh, to all these uh, services that you can uh, you know, uh, get hold of me. Do you have any last thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Uh, just very happy to have uh, be here and chat with you, Terence, and uh, spread the word. And really happy that people are caring about my cause and uh, want to support. And thank you for that. Yeah, well, thank you for doing the work that you're doing. Um, it's incredible and absolutely something that we need more of. Is my conversation with Dakshima Hapudantri, who is working to help queer folk come out. You can reach her through her website, dilipani.com. That's D-I-L-I-P-A-N-I.com. You are listening to Gaywire on CJSR 88.5 FM in so-called Edmonton. And now that September has rolled around, so is school. For a lot of our community members, Schools can be a place where challenges arise when trying to come out, particularly for trans youth. If you are trans and you are unable to change your name to your preferred name someplace or another online and would really like to avoid seeing your dead name, then you can try the Google Chrome extension called Dead Name Remover, which is basically a find and replace function for your dead name to be replaced and changed to your preferred name. Now, this is just a little bit of self-support you can do, but remember that you do not have to do this alone. Community support is integral to survive and thrive, so joining things like GSAs are a decent idea, or wherever else you can find community. There are people out there like you who will love and support you. Hang in there, buddy. It does get better. It is now time for our long-awaited and much-anticipated quote segment. This week, we have a quote from Eli Clare. Eli Clare is an American activist, poet, teacher, and writer whose work focuses on queerness and disability, such, along with the many intersections that make up an identity, such as race, class, gender, and sexuality. Clare was one of the first scholars to popularize the body-mind theory, which rejects the idea that the body and mind are separate, instead suggesting that the mind and body are a single integrated unit. It's a very interesting philosophical ideology and is directly in contrast to the wildly popular concept of dualism, which is the opposite of body-mind, uh, where it says that the mind and the body are separate. Anyways, you're listening to Gaywire on CJSR 88.5 FM in so-called Edmonton, and here's Eli Clare. <laughs> Thank you.
Laugh and cry and tell stories, sad stories about bodies stolen, bodies no longer here, enraging stories about the false images, devastating lies, untold violence, bold, brash stories about reclaiming our bodies and changing the world. Eli Clare, Exile and Pride, Disability, Queerness and Liberation. That was Eli Clare speaking about bodies and stories. We all have one, and they're all incredibly interesting in one way or another. If you think you have a particularly interesting story, reach out to us. We rarely bite, and when we do, it's with consent. So don't be shy. We'd love to hear from you. And now is the perfect time for you to contact us if you have something interesting going on, as that is all the time we have today for the speaking portion of our show. Thank you so much to our guest, Dakshima Haputhanthri. If you or someone you know is struggling with the coming out process, particularly if you're new to Canada, or just want someone who knows a little bit of what you may be going through, you can check out her website at dillypenny.com. Again, that is D-I-L-I-P-A-N-I.com. Thank you so much for listening. Today's show was produced by Shana Giles, Jao Victor Krieger, Asha Linda, Artemis Peasley, and myself, Terrence Adams. Gaywire is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in so-called Edmonton. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download podcasts. You can find us online at gaywire.transistor.fm and on Facebook and Twitter at Gaywire and at GaywireCJSR on Instagram and TikTok. Let us know what you think of the show, hit up the DM sometime, or if you'd rather be fancy, you can also email gaywire at cjsr.com, and you never know, you just might get to be a part of the show. Our artwork is by Travis Erickson, original music by Doug Hoyer and Catherine Hiltz. Until next week, keep it breezy, keep it cheesy, keep it cheesy, and... Please stay on the line.